Support for this podcast comes from CityCast Denver. CityCast Denver is the daily local podcast that tackles stuff you've been wondering about Denver. Would a Denver Olympics be a good thing? Will the cost of housing ever come back down to earth? Is Casa Bonita still Casa Bonita if the food is tasty? Each morning, CityCast Denver brings you the hidden gems and unexpected discussions you actually want to hear. Plus, a dose of local news to get you up to speed. Hosted by lifelong Denverite Bree Davies, every episode of CityCast Denver is the local conversation you won't want to miss. Made by Denverites, for Denverites. Find CityCast Denver on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase powered by Youth on Record. I'm Genevieve. And uh, I'm Danny. And we are recording all weekend at Mutiny Information Cafe at South Broadway with a number of artists who are performing at this year's festival. Um, in this episode, we are joined by Haley Helmerichs and Julie Davis from the band Blue Book. Let's take a moment to listen to one of your most recent songs, My Good Ear. To my lungs I succumb, safer in the pool, darkness spun like wool. And upon my tongue, the words were what we've done, the whole thing. Hey guys, welcome to UMS and to our podcast. Hey. Hello. Thanks uh, do for you wanna, us. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Julie Davis. And I'm Haley Helmrichs. I play drums in the band and do a little singing. I play bass and sing. Beautiful. <laughs> Rhythm section. Yeah. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Haley, in addition to being in the band, you are also a talent buyer. Um, could you explain your role as a talent buyer to our audience? Yeah, so I am booking acts and doing most, if not all, of the programming down at the Skylark Lounge, another South Broadway venue where we will be having shows um, this weekend. Basically, my job entails... Um, doing a lot of communication, artist liaison things, listening to bands, seeing if they're a good fit, and then getting them set up with shows. And I do a lot of the social media and the website stuff and do presentations with different sponsors and stuff like that. So I'm doing a lot of things, mostly focused on booking bands. That's great. And um, do you ever find it difficult to balance your two roles as a musician and a talent buyer? Um, yeah, you know, I have been playing in bands for 20 years, if you can believe it. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was always on the other side of things, and um, being a talent buyer is a pretty recent development. So for me, being on the other side and playing shows and being a musician in this town really helped inform how I'm 
booking things over there now. So it's been a little bit of a transition, but I got it. I'm Keep organized. Nailing it. It's <laughs> very organized. It. Best of both worlds. <laughs> um, and Julie, I wanted to ask you, uh, we were talking earlier and you mentioned that you taught eighth grade. I did. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> thank you. That's a feat on its own. Yes. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, You're welcome. So you were a teacher. So I'm curious, what brought you to music? Well, I see, I feel like... I found music when I was really young. Um, my first, I was always a performer right away. Uh, but my first like real foray into music was the Colorado Springs Children's Chorale. Uh, I started that when I was in second grade and it changed my life. I felt like I found my people um, and I've been involved in music in some way since then I played the flute um, but I was always singing and performing and acting I did a lot of acting in middle school and high school and um, really went to college to study acting and performing and then I got distracted by <laughs> literature <laughs> so I ended up uh, being an English major and then I, I'd done a lot of things. I went to divinity school for a minute. I thought I was going to be a, a minister. <laughs> uh, but I think it, being a songwriter and leading a band and playing music is really where I, where I came to in the end. It sort of satisfied all the things. Um, the ritual, uh, presentation, writing, exegesis of text community building, <laughs> energetic exchanges with the audience. So I left I teaching because I had started playing bass and I wanted to focus more on that. And I started um, working for myself as an academic tutor, as an academic coach um, 20 years ago. And that's when I started <laughs> playing in bands. That's awesome. Yeah. If so, <laughs> I kind of on that same like vein, if, if they made, if one day they made a blue book biopic, what would be a, <laughs> what would be a pinnacle moment? Um, what were, what, what would be some things that they would include? How would, how oh, did this, this form? This is a question for you. Oh my gosh. Blue book existed. So I'm a relatively new addition to the mix. Blue book existed as you. It was just me. Originally. And then um, our keyboardist and vocalist, Jess, and it was just the two of them for a long time. And then I was like, I'm going to drum in your band. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Tell me that. And I was like, I'm getting in there. So was that awesome. was like three years ago. And yeah. then we recently started on our latest record. Anna Morissette is a guitar player. She's in there. But it really was. I mean, it started just as Julie. Yeah, it was me. And I had an upright bass and a CD player. But I only had like a, because this was before iPods wasn't even like iPad wasn't even a thing it was an iPod and I would I had this five disc changer on a table and I would I only needed one disc for my I made electronic drums and keys and things I did not realize that's how you were doing that oh yeah it was a CD player but then sometimes it would like shift to the next CD but there was never anything in there it was just the one CD you needed a disc man but see but I thought it was funny that there was like a table <laughs> so I think that would be 
That would be in the biopic for sure. Analog. <laughs> Very analog, yes. Uh, it, uh, and then I, I started playing with other people and I got distracted by some singer-songwriter guys. <laughs> we don't need to go into that. Hit the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. Little moment when I, I joined. Like I, it was the the highlight was when Haley <laughs> said, uh, "I could do some drumming for you. Let's get rid of those loop." I switched from the electronic drums to looping on my pickup, and that's what I was, Jess and I were doing. But it's way more exciting now. Haley is like driving it home. Yeah, rhythm section. Yeah, Let's but go. I feel like the, in the biopic there would be it would be interesting to see like how the members join. And now we're a powerful coven, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. goddesses. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, <laughs> goddesses. Yes, like, yes, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> obviously. Um, I think for all of us performers in particular, um, how has the pandemic? The pandemic has affected us all extremely how has it affected your artistic practice as blue book or individually um in your own songwriting in your own careers well, talk I, to me i kind of i started playing electric bass i i was playing electric bass in sweet tooth meat tooth which is Haley's <laughs> and doug's band now defunct yeah. but but yeah. i i was i could never i was like looking at my hands all the time but uh, I, I kind of feel like that was a shift for me. I started playing electric bass more during the pandemic because I had time to mess around with it and learn that. And then also, I, mean, I don't, wrote the record. I wrote the record the during the pandemic. I don't think we would have made a record if it hadn't been for the pandemic. It's just bit, it feels like a lot with several jobs and a child and all of it running. The Julie's partner is a touring musician gone all the time. So yeah, that time when everyone was forced to be home mm -hmm. and be, you know, together, it kind of, it, it created space for us to be able to record. Yeah. I definitely think that's true. Yeah, we can't. And then we would just, we didn't see each other for many months. Remember when everyone was so locked down that we didn't even mm -hmm. see each other. Like we didn't have masks. We just stayed in our houses. <laughs> but then we started we getting together and working those songs out. And I would bring them and I would say, this is terrible. And then they would. <laughs> put their parts on and be like, no, this is good. And then as soon as I could hear you guys playing on the songs, I felt like, oh, maybe we can make something out of this. But that was like a year ago. It was like two years ago. No, but I, when we finished recording. Oh, we finished recording the record. I just found a cute picture of us with it James It was Barone. August, August uh, James Barone of Beach House. He's the drummer for Beach House, is a, a good friend of ours, and he recorded and produced the record. And I also think it would have been a lot more difficult to nail him down. Totally. He would have been on yeah. the road. He would have yeah. been gone. But. So it was just, it was, a, a, it created space for us to work, I think. What about you? I don't know. Um, it kind of pulled me. Oh, I wasn't going upstairs. We practice in my attic. We're lucky. <laughs> I've got a little upstairs space. I wasn't going up there a ton during the pandemic. It, if anything, it like shortened my attention span for practicing yeah. that's since changed but it definitely felt like I didn't have the stick-to-itiveness well, because we didn't time. have any shows so yeah there was, not, there was but it was so it was just an internal mm -hmm. drive to kind of work these songs out mm -hmm. it sounds like you and the members of your group support each other or supported each other a lot through that yeah, this is 
as such a special group, I'm so thankful for the presences of these women. And we get together and talk for like an hour and a half before we rehearse every time we try to get up there, but we just <laughs> talk and talk and talk and talk. But they're really my best friends and I'm so thankful. Uh, everybody brings such a unique talent and energy and presence and wisdom. It's been the best experience I've ever had playing music. I, I mean, we've brought this up before, but I've played in bands for many, many years. This is the first time I've played with just women, and it is has been a different experience. <laughs> like, I, our practices are different. I mean, I don't know. We just have a good group of... You know. and, and you could hear the chemistry uh, on, the, on the music. I so, agree. And it's, I agree. Yeah. I think there's a, I feel like there's a lot of love coming up off of those recordings. And it was the most fun I've ever had in the studio. Like, it's not stressful. No, I we were just be, supporting each other. Easy. It felt really easy. James made it very yeah. comfortable. James is so fun to work mm -hmm. with, but we were just laughing. And like, I've had a lot of stressful times <laughs> in the studio and this is not stressful. I mean, even those moments where you're like, okay, this is a challenging part or this is something I'm not sure about. Oh my. Oh. <laughs> it's still, it, I just felt like everybody's got me. I would start to get stressed and then Haley would hand me a CBD pill. Like she just, she'd just be like, no words, just CBD. So good. No words needed. No words. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So, yeah, that sounds like you guys have a, like a magical kind of bond. Um, I'm curious as a woman in music myself, have you faced any hardships being women in the industry? No, it's just been smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> yeah. the wrong way to phrase that question. Uh, no, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm sorry. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, again, I remember playing shows back in the day and being the only woman in the room kind of thing. And now I find myself in this talent buyer position having to kind of be, and pardon the language, but I have to be a crucial bitch about stuff sometimes. I have to, like, be that person. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of... Uh, manifested in different ways for you, I think. <laughs> it's... As a mom. Yeah, I... The last tour I did with those unnamed singer-songwriters who kidnapped me um, <laughs> for six years, I was six months pregnant, and uh, we were on a, you know, like, f ch chasing a bus in a van, and I, it was, uh, it was intense, you know, and I had so much anxiety in my body about what was going to happen to me as a member of that group after my baby was born. And it really ended that phase of my career. And there are a lot of reasons, but I, I found like really challenging, you know, to be a, basically a single parent. My husband is supporting us financially, but he's not home. You know, he's gone like 300 days a year now that we're back to touring times. Um, and the amount of, this isn't, a, any parent, I think, may feel this way. So it's not specifically about being a woman, but just the amount of creative energy that it takes to raise a child is, has made it difficult for me to write and put that energy into music and, and making art. And 
which is why I actually had to leave my house to write those songs. I went away for like five days and just, cause I, I have, I felt a lot of strain um, on my creative life being a, a mom. Um, but like I said, I think that's a parenthood thing, not like necessarily a woman thing, but I agree with Haley. We were, we were one of the old, I mean, Haley was playing music and like headlining the high dive when I first started playing. So she's always been a hero of mine, but she was like nailing it. And there were no other women leading bands in Denver that I know of at that time. And then yeah, that's I, definitely we kind changed. of met and now it's so exciting to see so many women playing music and so many women um, in the scene and leading and doing good work and talent buying. And that just has changed so much. It's really inspiring to see. She's gotta be Oh, Erin Roberts, she was the other. Oh yeah. It was Erin and you, <laughs> poor Lola. That's yeah. what I was just having a conversation yeah. with Erin about that. Very yeah, funny. Aaron and Haley were my heroes. <laughs> Are my heroes. <laughs> Are. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, I think you guys um, have a lot of experience under your belt. What what advice would you give younger artists? Um, maybe just starting a band or starting a new company or just like any artistic, creative, um, or even business advice. Mine is always don't work for free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the one I nobody works for free, that's what I would say. Um, so that but also I mean I think again, like we were touching on, when you find a group of people that you want to play music with, it's so special and it really kind of protecting that and being creating your family out of that I mean that's what bands have always been for me and you know, that is really special so hanging on to that and treating each other with respect and giving each other the space to be vulnerable and you know don't be jerks <laughs> that goes a long way <laughs> sounds simple but you know really that yeah. finding a nice group of people that you feel like you can creatively be open and you're safe with is pretty special I love that I think trust your instincts, too. I mm -hmm. got really distracted by what other people thought of I should be doing a lot of times and got kind of pulled away from what I heard or what I felt because I didn't trust myself. And I think like learning to hear your own voice or what you hear and trust that mm -hmm. is, has been important. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> And don't be afraid to ask for more money. Don't work for free and don't be afraid to ask for more. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Yes. People can always say no and it feels uncomfortable. That's one thing. Like, I, I don't, don't hey. risk it. Just ask. Haley's really good at this. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's awesome. This is my favorite part. I get to ask you guys about my favorite songs. So, off the new album... Optimistic Voices. My favorite song that I listened to was Mistress of the Minutes. Oh, that's <laughs> and I wanted to just know about everything about that song. How, how what was the inspiration? What does that mean to you? And if, if it's too, you know, you don't have to talk about it. That's no, Julie. This is Julie's It's wrong. not too I'm anything. I'm thinking more about like that song is the most yeah. produced of all yeah. songs on the record yeah. and has this like kind of a different vibe yeah. than others. 
That was a really fun one mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. We James was into it. Yeah. It was fun. Big time. Yeah. As a drummer, you can tell. Yeah, he's, he's like such a drummer. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, that song, I, so I, I feel like all throughout this record, I was really trying to be honest about uh, some of the pain that I've felt, especially around circumstances that have led me here. Um, how did I get here, <laughs> like, into this context in my life? Um, and I guess that song it just... And it's funny how I write a song that's pretty pretty honest like that, and then I think nobody knows what I'm saying. That you're being like, very yeah, secretive like, about like, that. I feel like maybe it's failed or something, but it is, like, right like, out there. No, Have I wasted... <laughs> All this time. Uh, that's the line in there. Like I think yeah. it's just sort of uh, mistress of the minutes, not 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 in a good way, really, maybe being like beholden to the minutes and and feeling like I wished that I could pull the sun out of the sky so that we could, you know, um, start uh, slow down time. Um, just ha- I've made so many mistakes in my life. I've tried not to focus on it that way, but, I think at the time I wrote this, I was in a dark place and just thinking about um, decisions that I've made and wishing that I could maybe go back and make different decisions, um, feeling remorse and regret. And I think um, getting older and then all of a sudden waking up and seeing what my life is and knowing that I can't change it, but... That's sort of what that song's about. Forward, not backward. No, forward, not backward. I feel like I'm in a better place now. Mm -hmm. And writing this album and making this album with you guys helped me get here, I think. That's amazing. I love that. It's it's so cool to hear like the inspiration and I don't know. It brings a whole different meaning and vulnerability to an already vulnerable song. It is a vulnerable song, yeah. (laughs) Um, And also, since we listened to My Good Ear, do you guys talk about that one? Sure. Uh, I wrote that. I had a a really bad ear infection. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not not just a clever clever title. Yeah, so um, (laughs) this was right at the beginning of COVID because it was March 2020 so the, and I was wow. really sick and so sometimes I think it was COVID but then when I did get COVID I was really sick so that makes me think it wasn't but anyway uh, my husband was out of town of course I, I think he was in New York and um, ended up flying home during my illness because everything was canceled and it was such a strange time but I just everything felt very apocalyptic at the time and then I got so sick and I couldn't take care of my son my mom had to come I think he was five at the time my mom had to come over and like take care of him for a couple of days because I was just in my bed not really even able to move and the ear my left ear was um they had to like drain it and all this and then it was <laughs> it I, I was just a very disorienting time and I um and and was left with um I could hear my heartbeat for about two years in that ear um which is kind of what I meant by my good ear like it was damaged but then I could hear my own heart um which is a little disconcerting, but, and it's gone, it's gone now. But, um, and at the same time, my husband was coming home 
and he did come home and sort of rescue me and take care of me, um, which I think I, I mentioned a thread to send from you, my friend. That's about my husband coming home. But then it's also I realized later because our friend Rhett Rogers made a video. We made a video with him for this this song and he was asking me what it was about and I and as I was thinking about it I realized it's also about the uh, sense of betrayal that I felt from my husband who had I had been playing music with and then he left and I was home with our son alone with basically my music career like ended um, at that time and I so I think where I talk about the the holy, unholy roller, that's about my husband and feeling like he's living this life that I wished that I was living. And then I, and somehow, I'm not sure how it like ended up in the song, but then he's also also rescuing me. So it's, it's sort of a that's multi-layer. The magic of, that's the magic yeah. of song lyrics. I feel like they song, yeah. Haley, you're, lots of you're like this too with your songwriting. Yeah. I feel like it's very imagistic and it's not mm-hmm. as ne- not necessarily a narrative there. Um, in some, a lot of these songs, but that song. So then in the end, the anthem, I wrote a lot of sort of anthems for this album where, and we have all these amazing singers in Blue Book. So everyone's singing in the sound. I am found, I am found. The idea that I could be rescued from this illness, but also this feeling of desperation that I felt that I was being abandoned by my husband and by these other musicians through the sound of our own music that we were making together. So, and then also the sounds that were coming into my broken ear and the sound of my own heartbeat. So it, it's many, I don't know if I explained any no, of that very it's well. it's layered, it's layered. It's convoluted. No, poetry, yeah. baby, come Perfect. on. Perfect, it's poetry, come it's, on. That was my first, that was my first start for sure. That's awesome, yeah. wow. That sounds like it was really vulnerable for you to write. Did you have any... I don't know, like qualms, hesitations about putting it out there. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I write these things and I think nobody can tell that it's vulnerable. (laughs) Like, oh, nobody knows. (laughs) And it's almost as if it's like secret and safe because it's I'm not saying it. But so, yeah, I... I guess. Um, well, I mean, you could listen to the song and just enjoy it as a, you know, like I was saying, this like produce little magical three minute thing, or you can listen to it closely and dive. maybe yeah. figure some of that out. Right. But and might, I always you think it's to, like, you yeah. have to tune into it. It is like secret that nobody can tell, but then here we are like talking about it. So <laughs> everyone can tell. So, yes, I know, I know. It's a, but it's a secret. Um, so yes, I have qualms, but it's strange how when you're writing poetry or when you're writing a song, then it feels secret or so, something. I don't I'm not sure why that is, but and you perform it. Then you go and, and like sing to everybody, yep. <laughs> but nobody can hear what you're singing on stage. <laughs> not on Saturday because we're going to be so loud. we're going to be so rocking on Saturday. <laughs> Blow everyone's socks off. No one's going to be wearing socks. Midnight, mm, yeah. you're a mess. <laughs> socks off. Shoes off. Socks off. off. No. Shoes off. Socks long gone. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before we end, can you tell our listeners where we can find you? We're so excited because it's finally on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Our new album, Optimistic Voices, 
um, is on Spotify. It's on Bandcamp. You can listen for free. It's on all of the streaming platforms, according the, to TuneCore. The and your the Blue Book is this is this is Blue Book. This is Blue Book is our Instagram handle. And you can physically find me hanging out with the Skylark. Yeah, <laughs> you can find like we've got we've got tapes. Mm-hmm. I don't even think they're at Twist and Shout though. You got to work more on tote that. Bags. We've got totes. I got a question about a tote yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, we got some tote bags. We don't have vinyl, but we've got tapes Maybe and we've someday. got Let's Spotify. Yeah, but you can find us. There'll be a picture of us with like green lines through our eyeballs on Spotify. That's how you'll know four women <laughs> eyeballs. <laughs> Great. I'll remember that. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> Hard yes. Um, thank you so much for joining us on Underground at the Showcase. It's been so great to have you. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, having fun us this weekend. Been, yeah. Keep you your, have more fun. Keep your socks on. Water. Keep your socks. Wear sunscreen. You know what they say. You drink lots of water. Yeah. That's what I say. It's going to be hot. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. You can stream our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Our team includes Lauren Francisco, Sean King, and Tierney Worthen. This episode was edited and mixed by Akello Stallings. Our executive producers are July Jones and David Layden. Additional music for this episode was provided by 88. We want to give a big thanks to Mutiny Information Cafe for hosting us. You can learn more about Mutiny at mutinyinfocafe.com. Thank you for tuning into the show. I'm Danny Akery. And I'm Genevieve Glimp, and you are listening to Underground at the Showcase.